No, I was already on the wave. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it was so weird. So, like, it's not weird. It's just like it felt like a switch for me. Because in high school, in 2012, I was, uh, I think I was a sophomore in high school. And I, oh, I had just started writing poetry in like sixth grade. Um, mm-hmm. And as a black person, um, and I was part of the Future Project, which was, which was this awesome program. Um, and it's actually nationwide, but they had to downsize. And so the Connecticut chapter doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. But um, the Future Project was a program um, built into high schools around the country, meant to empower young people, especially young people of color, to chase their wildest dreams, basically. And the Future okay. Project was awesome because they would literally give you the resources to do whatever you wanted to do. Um, if you were like, like, I was like, oh, I want to um, start an anime club and we take a trip to Connecticut. And we did that. Um, they helped, they supported me in doing that. Mm. And that was one of the first times I organized, like really, really organized. Um, but so mm. they knew I was into poetry and I loved writing. So, um, and then poetry was such a big thing. It still is it's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually would write my poetry, but one day uh, my, my future project director, Eve King, she showed us a video of this um, Black person from the UK, and he was performing a spoken word poem as if it was like a music video. And I fell in love with that video. Like I watched it so many times and I was amazed that somebody could take poetry and put it into performance. I'd never seen that before. Um, nice. And then I also I started going to open mics and things like that. And at the same time, we people are having conversations about um injustices systemic injustice and how like um so i believe michael brown had just been shot and killed by the police and so it was a huge Mm -hmm. conversation about like police brutality and things like that and i wanted to use my poetry in order to make an impact and to have a voice in those conversations about like Blackness and like all the things. Um, As I started to write about injustices and learn about the actual history of Black people's relationship to America um, and also like how fucked up capitalism is, I was like, wow, I've really been done wrong. Like I've been miseducated my entire life. And that was the switch that I was like, okay, I've been miseducated like, I'm not, like, less than because I'm Black. I'm actually fucking dope because I'm Black. And, like, because mm. I'm an artist and I'm queer. And I'm Black living in America and I'm still here. And, like, so I started to just feel really proud. Um, and I started to love myself. And I finally started to love the culture around me. It took a lot of unlearning. I started to read a lot. Um, that's the that's where I started to finally love myself and blackness was educating myself and unlearning. Um, and then as far as art right, space goes, right, decolonization. Right. 
as far as art space goes, um, I've been working nonprofit. I first started working at The Word, which is a poetry um, empowerment, youth empowerment program. Um, actually, I've actually, I worked at art space first um, during the summers mm. and uh, they just gave me the resources, like the space, um, the budget to be able to do certain things that, that I knew the community needed. Like when I worked at ArtSpace in conjunction with Public Allies Connecticut, I was able to pitch. That's the, that's the AmeriCorps internship, right? Right. So uh, yeah, I did a little sister intern um, branch in Bridgeport. I'm familiar with that. Go ahead. They're so awesome. Um, they basically funded for me to be able to work at art space full time. And so I, because I was full time, like it's a small nonprofit. They don't particularly need someone to work 40, like an intern to work 40 hours a week. Um, so I had the opportunity right. to pick ideas to fill in those hours. And so I actually started to do more things that would incorporate local black artists instead of the, I was so tired of seeing the same artists in galleries or performances. I was like, well, there's all these emerging artists um, out here in right. the haven and like, let's give them a chance at the spotlight. So I was particularly interested in centering artists who hadn't had a chance to be put on like newhavenarts.org or to be showing at citywide open studios people black young black artists didn't even know about citywide open studios like the people i was reaching out to to be like hey i'm doing a pop-up shop at citywide do you want to do a thing they didn't even know what i was talking about like and it's such a awesome i don't know reason. what that is <laughs> Okay, so Citywide Open Studios is in, it's kind of like a month-long art fest, um, various events okay. throughout the month, hosted by ArtSpace New Haven, and it's things like, it's literally called Open Studios because people can open their art studios to the public and show their art, sell their art, um, or do performances. This year, it's very flexible. Um, because of COVID, it's not going to be at one location. Um, so every year they have like a, they have things throughout the month, but then they have a big like showing in a big building. And this year mm. they're going to reduce it to people. If you have an event happening during the month of October, ArtSpace will advertise it. And so it could be as small as like, oh, I'm bending on my front porch today. Now I know this. I could have gave them my flyer to uh, <laughs> Indigenous People's Day open mic. <laughs> See, yeah. Lord have mercy. Heard out. There's some seven very days awesome. left. <laughs> There's some great resources um, that Art Space has, and they're also a small nonprofit. So sometimes. Um, Sometimes things fall through or like slip through the cracks and like, it's mm -hmm. weird because they are like a powerhouse organization in New Haven. So there's these expectations that artists have for them. 
but also they're very like they have a right. staff of two three people it also makes me think about like the resources that are available in new haven and how they might be it might help to redistribute those resources like art space is a small organization they have like three regular employees um and honestly I'm going to be so honest in a Gemini right now. Their exhibitions have not been happening <laughs> since since the show you were just talking about, the um Black Light, the Black Panther Party 50th anniversary show that they had was fantastic. Yeah. Also, the one following it, um directly following it was the Dia de los Muertos show in 2019. Yeah, that was fire. With yep. Unidad. Yeah. Unidad Latina in Acción. That was awesome. I feel like after that, it's been um, it's been pretty bland in there, and it's just been making me think like, how could this space be put to better use? Um, how could they re- redistribute this particular resource? Because artists need space, and it's like, you're a tiny organization. Do you really need this whole space? <laughs> So I'm just thinking about. Hey, like, you know, let's think of something. You know, life in my days, we could probably do something too. Right, I'm gonna need them to sign over the deed to Art Space. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> but look at the work that goes on with that. You know what I mean? And I would you say you were the only person that was able to have that opportunity? Because I've seen public allies from my experience. Um, with AmeriCorps, um, public allies from all over the state. I saw them in schools. I saw them in um, colleges and stuff like that. I didn't know that they were allowing someone like you to take a, take a great opportunity to use their resources to actually do something phenomenal like that. And I say phenomenal in the way as like, that's kind of different um, from what I saw AmeriCorps during my time of service. I mean, yeah, I did acting for AmeriCorps, but it was acting controlled by them. Did they have any control for you? Or you had literally leeway to do whatever you want to do? I feel like I had a lot of leeway. Um, They were very understanding. I was also open from the jump about the fact that I was an artist and organizer, and I wanted to use the opportunity of public allies to do art. Like, I literally... um, after I'd submitted my application to public allies, I had talked to who what who used to be the executive director, Helen Cotter. And I said, Hey, mm-hmm. I signed up for public allies. Um, which what can ArtSpace be my host organization? Because um, they weren't originally on the list to host anyone. Um, I had to take the initiative to be like, this is what I want to do. A lot of that. A lot of that experience was me taking the initiative. Like, I'm really proud of myself mm. for um, the way Black Art Matters went because I put that together with the help of two other young artists in three weeks. And it all started with me being like, I have an idea. I'm going to take the initiative. And at this point in my life was very much me trying to gain the the, the self-security and confidence to take initiative and be like, this is my idea, I want to do it, yes or no. And so I'd gotten the courage to talk to the new executive uh, 
executive director, Lisa Dent. And I said, hey, I have a project idea. What do you think if the budget is like 200 bucks? And um, I think it was way over 200 bucks. We ended up fundraising like, I think like $4,000 in three weeks. Like it was awesome. Oh shit, nice. Um, but it was a lot of me taking initiative. Like it wasn't um, like they were like, here's this freedom. Cause a lot of other people in my cohort who were at Public Allies didn't have that same experience. Like they didn't have as much rain mm. or they didn't do as much in their um, organizations. But I just, I wasn't satisfied doing the status quo. Um, right. Actually this year um, I worked at Arts Council over the summer through the city, through um, Arts Workforce Initiative. And um, I decided I wasn't gonna take as much initiative. I wanted to be more of a um, I wanted it to be more of a learning experience where I was taking things mm-hmm. in rather than giving. Um, and I wanted That's to, dope. yeah, I wanted to learn how to be a better organizer with a larger organization. And so it was me like sitting back mostly. And they did ask, like, do you have any ideas that you want to do this summer? And it took so much for me to be like, no, I'm good. Cause I did have ideas, but I really needed to <laughs> Like, I really wanted to put myself to the test and like, can I follow protocols? Can I figure out the, the grounding aspects of organizing? Like the bare, ba- the basics of it. Because there were little things that slipped through the cracks when that, I organized. That's absolutely dope. Yeah. That's, that's humbling as well, too. Um, so everyone that's listening, there's a lag between me and Dime. I believe they are a minute ahead of me not a minute a few seconds ahead of me so uh, if you hear like a space that's just because that website is catching up so um what would you so that's very humbling um especially for a lot of people in connecticut i don't want to say any names but some people have a tendency of wanting to push forward with whatever they want and not want to actually learn from other people because you can actually learn a lot especially from somebody that's in a space that has grown the arts council to what it is right now there is so much you can learn from that and that's amazing that you were able to just like i'm just going to chill and check things out because i know a lot of people can't do that that's a very great skill yeah um but once i i realized though this summer that i don't want to do nonprofit work anymore like i'm i'm still interested why I'm, I love organizing, but it's, I feel like, first of all, the nonprofit industrial complex is real. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's so real. And I, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. Um, but I just wasn't satisfied with, um, I just like art space, how I said they have this space, but it's not being utilized to its fullest potential. And it's a resource that local artists could use. I feel like nonprofits kind of get in the way of the, they're like the middleman of the resources that artists need. And I didn't understand why we had to go, we have to go through the approvals of a nonprofit org when we could just be given the resources straight up. I feel like that um, culture is changing though. 
Um, like Arts Council just put out this amazing grant where they're giving artists in New Haven $10,000 unrestricted funds. Um, and it's, I believe oh, shit, they- I need to apply for that. I believe the application process for this round is closed. So what they did was they put out uh, a nomination cycle. <laughs> they put out a nomination cycle where either you could nominate yourself or you could nominate other artists. Um, and then they would review all the artists. I believe they have 60 something submissions and they're having three rounds of giving out $10,000 to 12 artists. So 36 all right, well, artists. Arts Council, you better get ready for uh, highest frequency <laughs> records coming through. We gonna we gonna we gonna uh, we gonna knock on that door real soon. <laughs> so thirty six artists in New Haven are going to receive ten thousand dollars, and I feel like it's going to create an to a totally new era of art in New Haven. Um, it's gonna boost certain careers, and I'm really excited for that for um, for New Haven to change in that way. Uh, and I think that it's yeah. also super radical to be like, we're going to give artists five, um, what do you call it? A five digit check. And like that, that's the type of resource giving that I like, because it's like, you don't have to follow their rules or anything. You just are who you are. And then right. you are who you are people vouch for you and then like you're considered for this amazing opportunity. Um, yeah. I think something like that is really radical and we should be distributing funds more frivolously, more openly, not so like restricted and, Oh, we'll give you $10,000, but you have to create or not 10,000. We'll give you like a, two thousand dollars but you have to create a mural and use half of the money for the mm. supplies like stuff like that is like okay but also think about how many hours it takes to create a mural is a thousand dollars really going to cover like the cost of living for that person for that month that they're mm. creating the thing or two months while they're creating the thing no also arts council has um i've been telling everybody about this one they have a art studio um which is best for musical, um, musical and maybe even dance um, rehearsals. But it's a nice. awesome art, like a studio space that's completely free. Um, you just sign up to come in for the day. Um, you get a code. You have a key fob that takes you to the second floor, and it's a gorgeous space that you can. I go there to rehearse my music um, before performances. And um, you Love have to send me this information. I'll send you the link. Uh, Love and Co practices there, Tabisa practices there. It's a space where you can get connected to um, local artists and also enhance your own art. That's dope. And have you ever heard of what's up? Go ahead. <laughs> you ever heard of Stud the Kid? Stud the Kid no. is a black lesbian woman who has a record label. And guess what she does with her record label? She gives all her artists 
housing, healthcare, and also um, child care for free. I'm about to Google this with my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I just interviewed her, and I'm going to have the episode drop next week. I'm trying to do a big push on okay. that, especially for black people to see that, because that stud, uh, stud the kid. On Instagram? That's something well, that I New Haven can definitely, like, that would be so insane if somebody could pull that off. Yeah, that's awesome. I've been saying that we need like um, affordable housing, a communal housing space for artists that is connected to a performance and gallery space would be phenomenal. I keep saying this. Like it's it's in the ether and um Hopefully, some. Hopefully, we can achieve that someday. That's a level of organizing that I am not familiar with yet. But we we can get there. Like, gotta start somewhere, you know. <laughs> I know, right? I just want to. I just want to bring that out for some inspiration, right there, because that's definitely something real. You know what I mean? That all artists can have, and that's dope as hell. Um, the arts council was giving out money like that. Um, I wish I knew about that earlier. Honestly, I think Norm sent it to me, and I just never actually looked at it yet because I was so busy with something else. But that is just that's just dope. And so, so basically, like you are very embedded in building like good quality opportunities with artists which is why i'm so sad that you don't want to do nonprofit no more because <laughs> ain't no telling what else you can do just off of that you had such a successful going so far you know yeah i really i i'm like an anarchist kind of um <laughs> i'm kind of like an anti-hero or something where i really like radical like unfiltered art in um performance show exhibitions things like that i feel like the nonprofit thing kind of gets in the way of what i want to do as an artist mm, um, okay because like you you know my music i i'm very raunchy um yeah <laughs> the way I want to dress in my performances, the way I, the the art that I want to display, I feel like doesn't align so much with what I what I see the nonprofits in New Haven supporting, which is right. okay. I see. It's okay. Like I'm just a different breed, and um, yeah. So I feel like I should break away and and find what works for me. I really like, um, I'm so inspired by, uh, very similar, it's not nonprofit, um, but it is like mutual aid uh, work through through like clubbing. This is especially um, popular in New York where the nightlife is actually activism, where queer, pe- queer indigenous and black people of color are putting on nightlife events 
and using the money for mutual aid. Things like that, I'm like, whoa. This That's is absolutely dope. So cool. And then people can yeah. see themselves show up with their titties hanging out and they, they got raunchy art on the wall and like they're supporting sex workers and things like that. I feel like the type of work that I want to do is kind of almost unheard of in New Haven. Um, not that I'm going to yeah. leave New Haven or anything. I love this city. Um, I'm definitely going to like expand my horizons and maybe live in a couple other places for a while. But um, this is my home. <laughs> like, I want to bring those awesome aspects to this city, like nightlife that is mutual aid. Like, what? <laughs> That's so cool. Um, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I could still get nonprofit support, but um, right now I want to focus on me as an artist and I'm not as like polished and posh as these nonprofits kind of expect artists to be. But also we're in a mm. transitioning era. So those expectations are bound to change and I'm ready for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you on that. Um, that's why... That's why I've been so adamant on trying to keep the open mics going because I want people to be able to have a platform to just express how they feel as long as it's not, you know, this discriminatory or homophobic or anything or racist or anything. Like, that's the type of realness that I was uh, trained with when I was um, in the poetry teams and all that stuff in high school and all that stuff. So I, I felt like... New Haven definitely has this type of like clean up vibe, and I think it's because of Yale. I think it's because of Yale, honestly. Um, and I'm not trying to be mean about Yale, but I think it's just because Yale has a certain appearance, and everybody has no choice but to try to like allocate to that appearance. They want to keep going on, trying to appease to them because they literally have billions of dollars, and like there, a lot of these organizations get funding from Yale, like um. They have uh, internship programs where Yale is actually paying these nonprofits to have their students as interns. And um, right. it just like when you are relying on a abusive and oppressive institution for basic resources, it's going to get ugly because like yeah. they don't actually expect the artists that these nonprofits claim to support. So it's just like a disconnect. It's that weak link. And that's why it's so important to pour our resources into the actual community and the people and the artists so that once we have our own resources, we don't got to worry about what Yale wants, what Yale needs. Like, fuck them. Mm -hmm. um, we have the power to... Yeah. Like, we're valid. We're so valid. Also, like, um, I felt like the nonprofit thing, um, I wasn't able to include certain artists in opportunities that I really wanted to include in. Like, if I was putting on a show um, and I needed to get musicians, the people, some of the people off the top of my head are local rappers, um, Mm -hmm. singers and stuff but they're what they but their delivery their musical delivery isn't too standard 
So what what what, what does that mean? What do you mean by standard? Did somebody tell you that? No. No. It's I'm about to like, say I'm like these mother efforts. <laughs> like I'm not exactly talking about conscious rappers. Um not that right. they themselves are conscious, but like their lyrics might be a little more rugged than than the audiences that these nonprofits cater to are used to hearing. And I feel like mm. my mission, my mission with the nonprofits was to change that. Like people not knowing about opportunities, nonprofit opportunities and resources. I'm trying to change that because um like it could benefit so many careers for people to actually tap in. Um tap and in. if I'm changing if I'm changing the audience, then the then the actual artists are going to change too. Like um so Arts Council had these weekly pop-up shows on the green all summer. They were supposed yeah, to Yeah, I saw those. Yeah, they were supposed to end on the second, um, but I think they're gonna end either this week or the or next week. Um, and it was my job to curate the artists for the summer, and so I made a point to include rap artists and um, and any like young black artists in New Haven. There were. Yeah, I just wanted more unfamiliar faces behind, on the mic so that people were like, oh, this is what the city has to offer as far as talent goes. Okay, so there's a, here's a cool story. Um, at one of the performances, it was the Hawkins Band. They're actually a band of all white dudes. Um, of course, I prioritized putting um, Black artists on the mic, but... Um, Arts Council is very much like, well, we need to diversify. So, um, and also this band is pretty cool. They're pretty lit. Uh, they're called the Hawkins Band. And uh, while they were performing, someone came up to our booth. And first of all, her vibe was very like, wow, I should probably say hi to this person and try to befriend them or something. Because I feel like our energies are similar i mean they're clearly a queer black person and they had tattoos and i was like okay like gang gang <laughs> um, and i said hi to them but when i looked at them i was like wow you look really familiar why do you look so familiar and i was like do i know you and they're like oh probably um but they were so interested in the band like they actually stuck around and watched the band and um, that they were really shy about actually talking to the band afterward. Um, but when I asked, like, I was like, do I know you? And they were like, yeah, maybe. And I was like, I realized that the person I was looking at was um, formerly known as Snopra, currently known as Snosa. And I don't know if you know, you do know about Snopra, Snosa? Really? Okay. So Snow Are they rappers? Yes, one person, a rapper. Okay. She came out with the song Rank Rhythm in 2018, I think. 
Um, and it was a very popular song. It was on the radio. Um, mm. She actually got signed to Atlantic Records. Nice. And she, I think she moved. She moved somewhere, maybe Atlanta or something. Um, but she came back in order to attend Yale as a student. Nice. And so she just happened to be walking around. And it's stuff like that where, like, you never know who's there, who's around in New Haven. New Haven's actually full of very talented, very successful people. And um, I just think it was a really important moment, like, um, for... Mm. Even though like the band wasn't the demographic that I typically prioritize, it made me realize like how important it is for artists to have that exposure. Um, Cause she was like, wow, I kind of want to work with these guys. And that's a huge opportunity for them as local artists to be working with someone who's signed. Um, and I don't know if they ever actually connected or anything, but um, I was just like, wow, we need to create more settings like this where artists are connecting with each other and making valuable um, networking, uh, valuable networking. Oh, yeah. Exposure is so important, um, which is why we stay in fucking New York all the time. (laughs) Even when I get fucking tired. (laughs) What I've heard is that people will... Um, gain exposure here in New Haven and Connecticut and then venture out and like because they might have more followers on online or something. Right. They appear more um, not that they appear more popular than they are because they are popular but like once you leave your city and you're, you're a big fish in a small pond and you leave your city like I felt this way not that I'm like super popular or anything but I felt this way when I'm in Connecticut, it's one thing. And then going somewhere else like New York or Atlanta um, and nobody knows me, it's like mm. kind of awkward. Cause I honestly, I'm kind of cocky. Like I feel the sense of entitlement cause I know I'm a dope artist and mm. I'm the shit in my city. So I'm like, um, I feel like, well, anybody should be respected. But I just feel like there's a certain level of respect that I deserve. And then when I don't get it, um, it just feels weird. But mm. um, yeah, and I feel like, I mean, I guess I would like to get to a point where I'm going to any city and then people are like, dime still. <laughs> but yeah, like, I went to New York to go clubbing with a friend and um because I did not have a vaccination card, they gave me a hard time about going into the venue. And in New Haven, something like that would not happen. Like, yeah, I know people, so I'd be getting into venues. And it was just a really like uncomfortably humbling experience <laughs> to be like, who are you? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, not that I'm famous or anything, but it's like when I go to like small venues like Crunch House or State House, like there's a certain um, criteria. There's a certain level of like, yeah, <laughs> attention that comes with Indigo being in the room. <laughs> Yo, Dime, I gotta I gotta let you go because I got to interview the other podcasters. But I okay. gotta 
let's get you back on another time. Okay, I, yes. I, I, my calendar is going crazy right now. I'm so sorry. I'm happy for you. <laughs> I just realized this person has 11 o'clock, and I'm like, damn, it's 10.59 right now. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, you could come on with us. It's another queer activist that has oh, a podcast. That's cool. Can I smoke? Yeah. Okay. This yeah, is my show. I'm not doing And it's legalized. We're in Connecticut. We're in Connecticut, yeah, people. So. I'm like rolling right now. <laughs> Yeah, word. So I'm going to send you the link in the Instagram because it's a different link. Okay. Yeah. I'm and then down. we're going to go right over and talk to this guy. Okay, cool. See what this guy's about. <laughs> cool. And. Boom. <laughs>